Welcome to the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. Mommy Oyoyo is a platform for the modern African woman to talk about anything and everything related to motherhood in today's world. Join me, Barry Dakara, every week as we tackle the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs, the lows, the wins, the losses, and everything else in between. Mommy Oyoyo is your plug for real life gist and experiences about being a mother, African style. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. Yes, this is episode 48, which means we are just two away from 50. What a magnificent milestone that's coming up. I'm so excited. Um, In this episode, I am speaking with an old friend whose name is Dakwa Peters. Uh, Dakwa and I go a ways back, maybe like 15 plus years or so. And I wanted to speak with him about fatherhood and um, being an active parent to his daughter and his soon-to-come son. Um, if you guys are newer listeners to the podcast, then you might be wondering, like, um, is this not mommy or yo-yo? Is it not for mothers? Why are we talking to a man? But I will have you know that my very first guest on the podcast was a guy um, my friend O.C. Okwetu talked about not being the typical African father. And um, I think that it is a, a, I think it's a good thing to have some feedback and some input from the men. Um, I talked to Dakbo about being an active parent to his daughter And I also had him speak a little bit on how he thinks women should approach their men or their partners and into being active participants in parenting as well. I think that us as women, we tend to talk about it amongst ourselves, like to complain to each other that, oh, you know, he's not helping um, you know, he only gave the child like banana to eat. He didn't give them like proper food or whatever. I feel like we talk about that a lot to ourselves, but I think that we need to have the buy-in of the men that we are with, the men who are um, the other parents to our children. And so I just wanted to speak with Dakbo a little bit about what he thinks um, or how he thinks that should be done. And to be honest, I'm I'm kind of toying with the idea of having some kind of virtual summit eventually. I don't know yet. I don't know. If you guys think it's a good idea, let me know. Um, but I'm toying with the idea of having like a summit where um, I'll have a panel discussion of men and women to discuss, you know, bringing in the men as active participants in parenting. Um, if you grew up in a um, typical or traditional Nigerian or African household, then a lot of times our fathers were not particularly, um, present. Like, yes, they went to work, but then when they came home, it was that, oh, good evening, daddy. You know, then they would go to their room or they would go and eat. And, you know, it was just that, like the, the, our fathers weren't, um, weren't really close to the kids. And I think that that's something that needs to change. And I think that it needs to change in our generation going forward. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk to Dapo about this. And, um, like I said, he's, um, expecting his son very soon as well. And so I wanted to ask him about whether his, he plans to parent his children differently. You know, he has a daughter now, and a son coming. So I wanted to know what his thoughts were on parenting children based on their gender. Because as you guys know too, <laughs> um, typically the girls are, 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 are brought up differently than the boys, which is not the best idea in my opinion. But uh, yeah, so that's what Dapo and I are talking about in this episode. I think it's really interesting and I think you guys will get some insight about, um, you know, parenting as usual. So I will stop talking soon. Before I stop talking, I'd like to ask you to please, please 
I'm asking you very, very nicely. Um, if you listen to the podcast on Apple um, slash iTunes, please um, go rate the podcast. Just pause it for a second and rate the podcast five stars and also leave um, a comment um, about how the podcast is, you know, whether it's interesting, whether it's inspiring, whether um, it's creative, whether, you know, it's making a difference, just something. Um, please just do that for me. I'm asking you very nicely. Um, and even if it's not Apple or um, um, or iTunes, um, whatever podcast player you're listening to this podcast on, um, if there's a rating system, please go ahead and give this podcast five stars just so that we can keep pushing the mommy oyoyo, um, I guess movement or agenda. I don't even know what, the, well, whatever you guys get the point, but, uh, I'm going to stop talking now. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Dako. How are you? I am doing well. So good to be on here with you. Thanks for the invite. You are welcome. It's my pleasure. And everybody, just FYI, it's really, really weird for me to call him Dako. I've never, I do not call him Dako. I call him to me. Yeah. That, that sounded really, really weird. But you do go by Dako, so go with Dako for now. <laughs> Funny, because I was like, ooh, what do I call her officially? <laughs> Who's going to call you M.O.? Sure. Let's go with that. Let's go. Whatever you want to call me, it's okay. Um, <laughs> so, so sorry. Dako and I go a long way back. When did I even meet you? I don't know. Was that a Nigerian? It was, but I can't remember what year. Right. It's been a long time, though. At least 15 years. I want to say about 15 years or so. Did I already live in Atlanta when we met? No, I think you were still up in um in Boston. Yeah, yeah, then definitely maybe like sixteen years. Yeah, because it was after um you moved to Georgia that we were like, yo, like okay, we we hung out at the events, but now we're like in the same vicinity. Yeah, we're able to hang out properly. Yeah. Oh, sweet. So yeah, we go back a long, 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 long way. Um, go and i would like for you well first of all thank you for coming on the mommy oyo podcast you are the second guy that i've had on the podcast so this is very exciting oh nice nice yeah and just i should say this um over the weekend i shouted out some guests on the podcast that have had babies during this pandemic and then so i shouted them out on friday or saturday then yesterday sunday the only other guy i've had on the podcast announces that he's also expecting kids i'm like what's up with all these runner babies but then here i am talking to you and you guys are almost having your babies soon so babies everywhere all of you guys have been busy congratulations thank you thank you you are welcome so could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, tell us what you do, your family, everything you do on the side, if you do anything on the side, everything, anything you want to tell us, we're happy to hear. Oh, it's, <laughs> so it's always funny talking about myself, right? Because the one I talk a lot, but it's like, where do I go? How do I just kind of condense it? But yeah, so my name is Dapo, Dapo Peters. I've been, um, I guess, I have this weird like history, which is not unlike most Nigerians, by the way, um, where I have this third culture kind of upbringing, you know, born here in the U.S., raised in Nigeria, but while in Nigeria, I was raised around international group of kids. So I didn't really have that real Nigerian authentic experience. And then coming here and then not being viewed as a real Nigerian or a real American. So I was just kind of in that weird third culture space um but you know i've been in the u.s since um what high school um went to college uh and so i have always been an entrepreneur because i'm like i can't even think of a job that i've done um all these years but i've always been an entrepreneur and i've always had one business venture or another i've even uh been able to partner up with some people in nigeria and actually developed and built some things out there as well that we usually build um so I have business interests in Nigeria, which is 
part of my kind of my journey because I'm going to Nigeria every few months just to make sure I'm participating in what's going on over there with business and family and things like that. Um, so yeah, um, I'm a, I've been married for seven years now. My daughter just turned five last week and we're expecting our next one in a few weeks. Um, boy, so you know, we're, we have a complete packet. We're not requesting anymore for all, all the parents and people that will start opening mouth. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's like, I'm just kind of laid back. You know, I try to, I try to stay close to home and have adventures with the family. I like to explore new spaces, new things. Um, but I'm not the guy that's going to be like, Hey, let's just go venture out. You know, let me band with some people that'll be like, Hey, let's go do this, have a plan. And I'm all for it. I don't mind, but I'm not the guy that's going to plan events and affairs. I don't know why I started talking about that. But anyway, Sean, just kind of tell you kind of, I'm all over the place. Uh, business has been one of the things that has inspired me because I found that, you know, I can go out there and pursue a job, but I'm not a great employee because when, when I look at it, I'm like, okay. I could do it better and I could do it in this way. I could follow a system that works and I just haven't been a great employee. I've done, I've, I've been a great worker, but not a great employee, but I've been a better entrepreneur because I know how to, you know, attach myself to a system that works, develop something that works and then, you know, grow with it. So that's a little bit about myself. I know I said, I didn't know what to say, but I just yawned a lot. Right. You there. gave us, you gave us a lot. <laughs> and you know what? I, this wasn't part of the questions I was going to ask you, but since you just mentioned that, you know, you have your five-year-old daughter, you have a son coming soon, um, in episode, was that 24 or 23 or 25? One of them, maybe 24. Um, I talked to my sister about getting her tubes tied because she was done having children. Have you guys had that discussion? Who's going to get the snip snip? I uh, know. So, uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. If people could see my face right now, it's like, uh, what? We haven't talked about it, but at this point, we're not like, okay, let's get this one in and the next one. But we just know that, you know, Nigerian parents and, and aunties and uncles, they're quick to be like, okay, go and pop another one out right mm -hmm. now. Not thinking of all the circumstances built around your life, not thinking about everything that's going on on your, you know, just in your health and your finances and your positioning in life. They don't think about any of those things. They're just like, ah, we did it and we survived. You know, and it's like, yeah, it's, but it's a different world now. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't had that discussion of like, okay, who's going to close this gate? Well. But we're, we're both in favor. If you if oh. you don't mind getting the snip snip, you can come back on the podcast and talk about having a vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. My cousin said that as soon as his second child was born, he he you know he made the appointments, did the whole thing. They told him to wait three months just in case you know his mind needed to you know reevaluate things. Three months later, they said, "So what do you think?" He said, "I've been waiting for you people to just give me the approval." So. I do know people that have gone ahead with it and send them to me now. Send them to me. We need to talk to these guys. Or no, at least one. We need to talk to see, send somebody my way. Ask them if they don't mind. And listen, I don't mind them being anonymous if that's what they want to do. But I wanna have this conversation. I wanna have this conversation. I will be sure to connect because he's a great guy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's get into the actual conversation here. Yeah. What does fatherhood mean to you and what has been your general approach in the last five years of parenting? So um, that's a really good question. And honestly, uh, it, this will sound kind of strange, but fatherhood has meant more to me in the development of me more so than even looking at the development of my child. And not saying that I don't focus on those things, I'm not paying attention to her, her well-being and her upbringing, but because if a broken person is now developing somebody new, a child, you're only gonna build a broken person, right? You're mm -hmm. gonna groom a broken person. So for me, it's, it's helped me focus on the things I need to do to be one, a better man, to a better husband, because if I'm not a good husband to my wife, I can't be the right guy for my child, right? 
not in the environment. I could be a nice guy, but I'm not teaching the principles that I want her to move forward living with. And then thirdly, then be a good father, right? Um, and it's helped me in the sense that now I've had to find people that are better than me in different things and find people that are, you know, more patient. Cause that's one of the things that I have a struggle with patience. I'm that, I'm that guy that's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. What, what are you waiting for? What's happening? And for a child, it's difficult because she's like still trying to figure herself out. She's five. Like she, she, even if she's done things multiple times, she's still not at the point where she can do it at the expectation of, of an adult. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've had to work on my patience. That's one of the things that it's really worked on for me. Uh, it's, it's taught me how to be a lot more considerate too. And, and, and with the patient also, uh, forgiveness and not just of myself, but also my child, right? Because she'll make a mistake and it's unintentional. Obviously it's, that's why it's a mistake. And I'll be quick to be like, Oh, what do you do? And because I'm that ninja side of me, that aggressive nature mm -hmm. that I walk in the streets comes out of me. And I have to be like, Oh, whoa, chill out. She doesn't need all of that pressure. Like not at four, she just turned five, not at three, you know? So those are some of the things that I've learned, but more importantly, I think it's, uh, working on myself because the better me can now help groom and grow a better her and her brother when he arrives. But that's been it, the inner work has been the biggest part. Like to be honest, like the inner work because she can get you know she can get all the love and affection that she needs from her mother, but if she doesn't get it from her dad, there'll be an off balance relationship. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Tolo, where's my notebook? Where's my notebook? I'm my plan was, you know, as he's saying stuff, I'll just be writing, but I just have to listen. Guys, if you are listening to this podcast, you better can carry your notebook now. Pause it, rewind, and write your notes down because Tolu is speaking and preaching over here. All right. So do you consider yourself to be an active parent? Like, are you actively participating in raising your daughter? And um, if yes... Could you tell us some of the things that you do um, in, you know, daily in parenting your child? And if not, why not? What's going on? And do you think you can make improvements if not? You know, I'll say very much so it's a yes and no, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is going to be weird. It's like it's either you do or you don't. There's no in between. But um, I feel like for a while now, um, I felt like I've been quite, you know, it's funny. I always ask my wife, like, I, I, what do I need to do to help to, you know, alleviate the pressure of parenting, right? Like, because it can't, all the burden can't be on her. And I'm already the tough parent, which is strange because most people say that dads are like soft with their daughters. But exactly, I'm, yeah. But I'm very tough. Like, I don't want her to, to, um, to feel like, you know, that everything just comes to her or, that you know people just agree with her when she's out and about so like if she is grabbing snuff something from people i'm like very stern correcting her and, and sometimes a little too harsh not harsh but a little too hard um so she runs for me when it comes to corrective things and she already knows that daddy's not going to say yes go have extra ice cream or yes go watch tv or yes go play when she can be doing some work or should be doing some work um, i'm that parent that's like no you got to do this um so I allowed her to just keep running to her mom for the first couple of years when I started noticing that she was identifying things. Uh, and I just kind of let it slide. But then I realized that, oh, no, it's not just because she wants to, to go to mom. It's because she's afraid of coming to me to ask because I'm probably going to say no. Um, yeah, I, I've been very involved, like from the beginning, like my first experience changing a diaper was with her, like the very the very moment that she was born. I was like, okay, show me how to do this because I've never done this before. Uh, I don't know how diaper changing works. And they were like, oh, sure, not a problem. And I was doing all of that, all of that because I wanted to know, like from wake, staying up late because I was like, guy, I don't see myself waking up at two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock to come on and make sure a baby is okay because I sleep, like I sleep, sleep. Like I sleep under the sleep that is sleep. That's how <laughs> I sleep. So 
I was like, let me just stay awake and handle the first shift. And I would do that. Like, I would stay awake till about two or three in the morning. Just, you know, if there's a bottle feeding her so that my wife wouldn't have to get up for the first few weeks. And then, you know, of course, my mom was there. Her mom was there helping uh, for a time. time. But I was always always engaged, always involved, because I felt like if she was to remember anything of that time period, I wanted to, to at least remember that her dad was always there. And even to this day, like with the pandemic, it was one of the things that this taught me is how to be very creative with her. Because mm-hmm. we were initially, you know, I was always traveling. So again, it takes away from the time that I can be physically doing things with her, like school and stuff like that. Uh, and because pandemic shut down all my travels, because most of my travels out, out of the country, I sat down and said, how can we engage, take up time so she's not disturbing her mom when she has to do urgent work and stuff like that. So we started baking and it was like, let's experiment with the things that she loves to eat. She loves toast strudel, let's try to make it. She likes French toast, let's go make it. So I was doing all these things that I knew she would enjoy because I was like, okay, how do I teach her how to add and how do I teach her how to measure and things like that. And it's difficult just to say, imagine, but when we're saying we need half a cup of sugar, it's easy for her to see what half a cup of sugar means as far as measurements. So we started doing those things together because it was time for her to just be with dad, create with dad. We started a garden this um, spring because we needed something to, for me, I needed mental release because I wasn't able to do much, but it was also a fun dad-daughter project. And of course my wife was doing that as well, but it was really, when it came to the garden, she'll say, it's daddy's garden. I'm like, no, it's our garden. She's like, "Mm, you're the one that goes to it every day. And, but that was part of her experience. She saw that all through this summer, through the pandemic period here, but it was great to do that because it gave us a special daddy daughter thing with the baking and with the gardening. So those are some of the things I've done to be very engaged and, and be active in, in fathering and dadding or whatever you want to call it. And it's helped because now she's like, it, it warms my heart because she'll randomly come up to me and say, best daddy ever. And I'm like, oh. stop it. What do you want? She's like, nothing. I just wanted to tell you, you're the best daddy ever. And I'm like, hey, okay, I'll, that's going in your savings account. Or <laughs> when you do something else. But she does it and she does it naturally. I don't, I don't coax her. You know, I just always want to make sure that we're doing something. Like, so her birthday zoom like i have to tell this story we had a birthday zoom for her where she was painting with her cousins and some of her friends so we you know we're doing all the painting and stuff like that and in all of the painting the music is playing and of course kids love their disney stuff so uh what's the one with the mermaid the little mermaid comes on and one of the songs is playing and i'm just lipping it and they they focus on me i'm singing and everything and they're like how do you know all the words to that or frozen or I'm like, listen, that's our time together. Mm. And because I get into it, she feels really good about getting into it as well. Like, you know, otherwise she'd be like, well, I'll just be cool. Cause dad is here. Right. Yeah. But she, I let her just kind of let loose and shoot. It gives me an opportunity to be a kid again. So it, it works for both of us. So I really love that. I like how you are still the disciplinarian. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then you still balance it with you know playing with her and having fun with her. There was um, um, a tweet I think a couple of months ago where someone was talking about how you in in Nigerian homes when the kids come back from school and mommy comes back from work, everyone is sitting down watching TV, playing or whatever, and then as soon as daddy comes home, everybody disappears because. Ah, daddy's home you know and that just really broke my heart because it's like man man you know like our fathers my dad wasn't quite like that like we had fun with him we always had dinner with him you know but it just broke my heart that there's so many men who are absent from participating in their children's lives that their children don't really see them as you know oh yeah he's my dad but we just don't talk we don't have a relationship you know and that's just that. So kudos to you. Well, I will say this too. Um, kudos to my dad because that's my guy. Like to this day, like that's my ace uh, when it comes to like, we'll just chill and talk and goof around, talk business, do all that stuff. But that was the guy that I would go out and play tennis with. 
you know, we do reading projects together, but then we'd sit and watch a movie together growing up. So again, and then I think it's because of that inter intersectionality of being a third culture kid. So not really having that one place. And my dad understood that. So he kind of let me roll with whatever the experience I needed to have is. So when I wanted to do cartoons, he was okay with it. He probably wouldn't kick it, kick it much. He'd be like, okay, you want to watch this? And he'll zone out to, to thinking about whatever, but he was always there and he let me feel like that was cool. And it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it, my dad did a lot of traveling when I was younger because he was, you know, we, we were based in Lagos, but he was in Oyo, he was in Anambra, all over the place. I would always spend time with him, but I always remember that he always made it an effort to do things that I could really, so if I enjoyed playing soccer, that's what he was getting into. If I enjoyed tennis, that's what he was getting into with me. Uh, and that's, that's, that's why I think I've kind of embraced some of those philosophies as well, too, because he was a great representation for me. That's good. That's really, really good. Thank you, Daddy Dapo. <laughs> um, now, I, I think a lot of, a lot of African women, um, we complain a lot, you know, that, you know, we typically carry the larger load of parenting and I guess household stuff. Whereas the men are off to work. It's not as if we're not working too. We're working too, but we're still supposed to come back from work and, you know. Um, but I've been trying to reorient my mind that, you know, it's not enough for us women to keep talking about it amongst ourselves. I feel like we need to have the conversation with the men involved as well. Now, you're a man. How do you think a woman should approach her partner? Did your wife ever approach you about, hey, you need to do this or you need to do that? Like, how do you think a woman in general should approach her partner about being more involved um, in parenting their children? Um, honestly, I don't know. I'm, I've been the perfect husband, so I haven't had. <laughs> I'm not talking about you and your wife. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, that's a really fair question to ask because um, I might, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds, but I think this is across the board for all cultures. But I think culturally, right, for Nigerians, right, um, it's reasonable to think for a man that, listen, I make whatever the bacon is in, in, in relations to the wife's income, whatever that is, I make that. So why should I have to do woman's work, right? Like house care and, and changing your child's diaper and feeding the children and doing all those things seems to be the wife's duty. Like, why am I to be a part of that equation? And, and to be fair, growing up, I never changed a diaper, right? Mm -hmm. I always had many cousins that the, the female cousins that just jumped to those things. I guess more like they were pushed into those things that it became a thing that they just jumped to do that. I never had a need or a role in that. I was just play with the kid for a second and then run off and go play with the other kids mm -hmm. until I'm ready to go rest. So I think the mindset has been, it's been drilled in that that's how we operate. And I think, in the world now that we're in where women have a significant role in the workforce. They have a significant role in community. I mean, women are doing things now that are uh, hard to admit it, but can sometimes outshine the men when it comes to responsibility for shaping minds, right? Uh, so we have to give that consideration as men that, yo, like, okay, I have my role here. This is what I do, but that doesn't negate that the household still needs our love because our children need to see that those things are happening. Um, growing up, I never saw my dad cook, right? Because he was always traveling. And I remember I was probably like eight and my dad cooked stew and rice and all this stuff. And they said, come on, eat. And I was like, mm -mm, no, <laughs> I'm good. And, and they're like, why not? You should eat. My, so my mom ate some, she ate and then she asked for more. I don't know if she was pretending or if it was good to her, but I was like, okay, I'll have some. And it's when I realized that 
it's not a man's job or a woman's job. It's the household. It's our family, right? We should play a part. That's when us guys start to see it differently. Because that was when it was okay for me to be like, you know what? I can learn how to make meat pies. I can learn how to make cake. I, I can go cook in the kitchen as at a young age. I mean, I cooked my first pot of rice and I was proud of myself. It was just rice soup. I didn't do soup, nothing. <laughs> but just because I saw my dad do something like that, it gave me that, that flexibility to know that, oh, it's all right for a man to do it. And I think we as men need to uh, do that, showing our kids that nobody, I mean, absolutely nobody is bigger than a job and a role. Because the moment we realize that, then we can groom people that are leaders in their community because they're not afraid to do the dirty work. They're not afraid to go do the hard things. Because let's be real, who wants to go hold in a diaper that has been destroyed by this little person? Or who wants to go and sweep the room when there are other people in the house? Nobody wants to do it, right? Or most people don't want to do it. But when you show that it's okay to do those things, you become the bigger leader in your household because now the women are like, man, thank you. I mean, I'll use myself as an example, right? I always played a part, but I thought I was doing it. And I thought I was doing everything. Like my wife would be like, look, I come back home from work and I got I to gotta clean this up, put this stuff away. And now she's frustrated. She's agitated. She's tired from one, having to work all day, then getting our daughter settled and then cleaning the house and then sitting out. And then me, I want to now inter interrupt her and say, so what are we going to do today? Like, I feel like eating this. Like, what's my own? I've been sitting at the house for the last two hours and I couldn't play a role. So now my wife comes home frustrated, agitated, tired, and then she's got to get ready to do it all over again the next day. So when I started taking just a little bit, because I would just be like, dude, right? just tell me what you need me to do. And she's like, dude, you see the house. Pick something up and just do it. I can't, like, I can't keep telling you every single thing that needs to be done. And I was like, eh, I don't know. You kind of have to because I can't read your mind. But when I started to realize that it doesn't even matter if I'm doing it right the way she likes it, right? But the fact that I'm just doing something, it takes a little weight off of her. She came home after a while when I started doing that naturally, that the weight, actually it's funny, I talked to her about that the other day and she was like, honestly, you don't hear me complaining about anything when, when I come home from work, right? I was like, nah, that's because, you know, I joked about something. She said, no, but because you take one or two things off my hand, I can at least rest assured that now the other things I have to do is not gonna take as much time. And I'm more happy to do the things I got to do because now I don't have a million things to do. I just have four or five. And it makes a difference. It makes a peaceful home. It makes a happier and healthier home. So why not do the things that will alleviate pressure from your wives? Because when we do it, fellas, I promise you, we get a whole lot more at the end. Like, a whole lot more. I mean, friendship, relationship, I mean, intimacy, all of those things now make a difference because now it's a partner, not a help. All right. And that's all we have to be. Just become partners. And in a partnership, you have to say, sometimes I'm taking 50% of the load. Sometimes I'm taking 20% of the load. But when you take 20%, do the whole 20, not just a portion of it. Mm. So, yeah, I hope, I hope that's making sense for, for my it fellow. Is. No, it's fine. to me, it is. Um, something you, just, you, you said was that you told your wife to be specific in saying what exactly she needs but yeah. then there's still also that um kind of pushback from her like open your eyes why do i need to tell you what exactly you need to do like take a look around right i feel like there's this um this enabling of men that we do in our culture like oh well you know we have to tell them everything you know men are like babies oh my god i hate when people say that but it's, it's it's a common you know it's a common phrase in our culture oh you know men are like babies now you have to tell them exactly what to do but it's like but you're a man though like why don't you i mean be responsible why do i have to tell you what to do but then again it's still the you know the male versus female you know a woman wants to you know take the time to like think or whatever and then it's just like see just tell me so i can go <laughs> let me let me do so i can go to well I'll, I'll be honest right like i even like let me just really dig a hole for myself i told her look 
make a list, put it on the fridge. So at least when I come, I can say, okay, these are all the things that are on the list. Let me pick something that I can just handle really quickly. And she's like, dude, like, how am I supposed to make a list when things can change from day to day? I was like, at least if the list is there, I know what is possible. She's like, listen, every time I come home, I have to put all the clothes away from the laundry. You don't do that, but you'll be looking for a shirt. I have to do this, make the food, but you'll be hungry. And I started thinking, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should probably just think on a broader sense. How did I operate when I was single and living by myself? And I had to do those things. I didn't have a house help. I didn't have money like that. But I did know, like, listen, I need a shirt, wash my clothes. So I started playing those roles now. I started thinking, if I was single, how would I do these things? Mm-hmm. If I was, imagine if I was a single dad. Like, that's in essence, when we leave everything to our wives, we become like, we, they become like single moms because you guys are now doing everything, including now satisfying the needs of us men. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's be a partner. Like, at the end of the day, you lose nothing. Look, it, look I'm, not, I'm not really that sports guy. Like, I like sports if I'm in social settings, but I'm not the one that's going to be like, ah, I have to follow every football match. I care nothing about it. Like, that might lose my Nigerian man card, but I, I've lost it a long time. But, <laughs> but the real thing about it is, like, sacrifice, if you sacrifice 5, 10, 30 minutes of your day, just kind of do a little more. It makes a difference from what for difference for what can now happen for the rest of the day in the house, or the next day, you know. And our kids learn from it more than anything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Our kids are watching everything that we're doing. It's not just what we're telling them; it's what we are doing, Everybody. and they will pick up those habits that we have as mm-hmm. well. So, thank you for that. Um, you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but you have a daughter now, and you're expecting a son do you think you would parent them differently based on their gender? Hmm. Because you, you already alluded to it, like with your, your female cousins were changing the diapers and they'll you know, be the ones cleaning or whatever. And then the boys would, oh yeah, go and play football. So <laughs> that, that's what it has been like, you know, and the girls are the ones in the kitchen. The boys are, again, off playing or they're playing video games or whatever, not really participating in the household stuff. You, yourself, with your wife, do, do you see you, you guys parenting your children differently just because, you know, the oldest is a girl and then the youngest is a boy? Have you guys thought about it? Like, what, what do you think? Um, to be frank, um, I have. And with a lot of trepidation more than anything. And because I feel like, gosh, I, I, I tell my wife this, like, oh my goodness, I need to talk to somebody, like, like see a therapist and have a serious conversation about my intensity. Uh, because I'm, I, I feel like I'm really intense with, with Tanu a lot. Like, I feel like I'm so stern and so serious with her. And I'm like, oh God, if this is how I'm treating my daughter, Am I going to flip and then treat my son even tougher? Like, I don't want to be that dad, nor do I want to be the, the guy that is super soft because I'm like, oh, it's my son. He'll, he'll be fine. Boys will be boys. I think that all of that is damaging to the psyche of not only the boy, but also the girl, because now she's like, oh, so I'm the one that's treated like a second class citizen because I'm a girl, but he can get away with murder just because he's the boy and boys will be boys. Um, so my hope is, and my in, in my imagination and in my planning is that I treat him with the same level of one responsibility as she has. Um, now there are going to be a few things that I'm really going to push for. Like the, I know that's your older sister, but look out for her because I think people are still crazy in the streets. You know, people are irresponsible. People look at women and take take them as second class citizens. So I will have things like that. Like yo, dude, look out for your sister. Just like I'll be telling her, look out for your brother. Make sure he's not acting wild. Make sure he's not stepping out of line. Make sure that he's treating people with respect and vice versa, right? Um, so my hope is that I am. Um, I've always, I've, you know, I've, I've said that several times. I told my wife that, you know, I need to go, I just need to have a talk with therapists. I know this might not even be a cool thing to talk about with, with Nigerian culture or Nigerian men. But for me, that's one of the things I want to make sure that I'm not, again, not being a broken person trying to raise a child 
um, and, and and cause more harm to them in the long run. Because I know this for sure. I see many men that um, they're they're literally putting their daughters on this totem pole that, you know, don't touch her, don't speak to her, don't reach her. She's just too precious for you. And I, we, it's, it's mandatory, right? We should treat our children like that. Of course, letting them understand that, listen, yes, you are precious, you're wonderful to me. Not everybody sees you like that, but to me, to our family, to our household, you are everything. But I also want our sons to feel that way too, so mm -hmm. that they feel like, listen, I'm just as important as my sister. I'm just as precious, I'm just as loved. Um, and so that they don't miss out on the affection, because a lot of times boys miss out on the affection side because yeah. they the tough love like yeah i still love them i, I told them to you know that's that kind of thing but it doesn't affect it i mean it does affect the way they think of them themselves and also now how they look at women and how they look at other men and i got to make sure that i raise my son to know he's a whole man right like he can be loved and he can be tough and it's 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 not a thing where he has to be one or the other mm. he can he can have both he can you know, I hope that he's into baking and stuff like that because I want to do that with him and his sister. And that'll be a fun project for us to do, destroy the kitchen. Then my wife come on video us as we are damaging everything. <laughs> Those are all things that I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to do together. And uh, so long answer to, I'm hoping that I'm treating them alike, right? Not the same because each person has their own personality but the same level of love, the same level of responsibility, and the same level of attention to their needs. Because I know one thing that they will have different personality traits. And so I have to treat them according to their personality traits so I can reach them versus teaching them like when I grew up. When we grew up in Nigeria, I'm sure this is you as well, every kid was just a blanket kid. Like one person one person messed up in class, everybody got a beating. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So there was, a, or, you know, your punishment was, there were no levels or degrees to it. It was just punishment is punishment. It's either five lashes or you stoop down or whatever it is. We have to experience those things, but we experience it as a group. I want to make sure that, look, if, if not watching TV is what affects you, then that's what we'll do, but then we'll discuss it. Because I used to just get beat. Like, there was no definition to why I was being beat. It was like, you're a hard-headed boy, you're getting beat, and let's go on and you better not cry. Like, those are the things I experienced. Right. I want to make sure my son and my daughter, because I'll be honest, I'll be like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Why are you crying? And I'm like, oh God, listen, stop it. You're now- Let's not continue the cycle. Yeah, exactly. So those are some of the things that um, I think that will be significant in, in, in how I look at both kids, right? Make sure that I don't baby one more than the other, but I'm affectionate to both of them just as much as the other they need it to be. So. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so your daughter is five. You're about to have your son now. And this is something that I've talked about several times on the podcast where, um, and you've also mentioned it too, where, you know, after the first child, the family starts asking, ah, when is the next one coming? You know, yeah, yeah, one will pass by. What's going on? Yeah, two will pass by. What's going on? I remember with my daughter, I think she was maybe five months old. And my soon-to-be ex-mother-in-law was already saying that, ah, by this time next year, I'm expecting twins. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How about no? First of all, you know, my son and your uh, your son and me are having problems first of all, so that's a whole other story. But mm -hmm. this pressure to have another child with you guys, it's five years. Did you? And I, I've spoken to women on you know the some of the comments that we received, um, some of the um, the negative ways that we've been treated, and I just kind of want to hear from you. As a man, did you get any of that kind of like ah? Because I don't know why they always seem to blame the woman. Like if there there isn't another child in the next year or the next two years, it's like okay, what's going on with her? It's never what's going on with the man. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have to deal with any kind of ah? When are giving us more children? So I got 
mostly what I got, and, and this was, oh, this is a really touchy one, right? Because I got, I got angry for so many reasons. Uh, but it's touchy because people would come up to us and they would say it to my wife or to me alone. Like, I know they definitely said it to her alone, but when we were together, I heard it. But they'd say, ah, you guys need to stop wasting time. You're not getting any younger. Um, you guys, you guys, are, ah, you guys can't leave Tinu alone to her. She's an only child. It's not good for her. And I'm looking like, first off, I'm an only child. Forget you. Um, nothing's wrong in me, right? Like, I'm a good person. Um, it doesn't make me a bad person not to have a sibling. Uh, that was one thing. Um, but then we also, I, I used to get the, uh, you people don't know the kind of uh, difficulty Tanu will have if she's an only child. You know, it's like, you know, she won't have this or she won't be able to have that best friend all the time. I'm like, look, all things that we, we can weigh as to whether there's validity in that or not. Um, but I started to hear it more so at my wife, like, what is your wife waiting for? Or they would say things like, yo, better give your husband another child before he leaves you. You know, things insensitive like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I literally had to, and I, I had to take on the role of, I don't want any more kids, leave us. I'm happy with one. Like, shoot, just leave, shut up. Like, I, I had to be that guy, like, are you going, like my common response to everybody was, are you going to pay for it? Like literally, I was like, you know how expensive one child is? Which, you know, I'm not saying that there's a cost analysis as to being right. a right? There's a cost in, in whatever we do. There's an investment, right? I see it as an investment because her life will be something prayerfully that will add value to the community she's in, the world that she grows into, uh, that she can, you know, make the world a better place because of who she is. So that one is that one. Uh, but when people are just putting all that pressure on my wife. They don't know what's going on with our health. They don't know what's going on with our finances. They don't know what's going on with the relationship. Like they literally just like, yo, you, you guys need to hurry up. So I started taking it on myself. Uh, even when they said something to her, like just kind of in whispers, if I heard it, I was like, uh-uh, mm -mm, no, please leave her because I'm happy with the one we have. I'm not trying to push for anything. And then I, sh and then I shifted for a period where I was like, ah, when God provides, and they're like, hurry up, hurry up. God will provide when you hurry up. And I'm like, wait, first off, mind your business. You don't know what pace we're at. You don't know what our life plans are. So just mind your business. And I even got to the point where I was rude. Like, listen, unless you're going to live in our household, raise the child, pay for this, plan for college, do all these things, please close your mouth. I don't want to hear it. Is that, oh, by this time next year, you'll have twins. Whose business is that? Like, who said we want twins, first off? Right. So I had to be, I had to be the jerk uh, for several reasons. One, so that hopefully it would quiet the noise of people disturbing us about it. It didn't really, they slowed down a little bit, but it was more like whispers like, your husband is very wicked, but uh, you should give him another child. It's like, yo, so that's like a very split thinking. He's wicked, but give him another child so he can be more wicked, right? <laughs> so I, I, I had to be the bad guy because for one, I hated them saying that to my wife because they were always putting the blame on her. Just like you said, putting the blame on her. And I didn't like it because I didn't think it was any of their business. And I think, again, being that I'm not that purely Nigerian guy, that inter intersectionality of being of different worlds, right? It caused me to be like, mm, I don't really have to be the proper, ah, sorry, ma, we'll, when, when God provides ma, Thank you, my shame. My, you know, it's like, amen. No, I was like, no, no, just shut up. No, I'm not interested. And when I started to do that, that's when people were like, okay, we'll leave them alone. Mm. Well, we'll leave him alone. Because I know they still went we'll still go after her. Yeah, they, I know they still went, went after her. I know, and, and not the mother types, right? Meaning our, our moms aunties, all of them particularly were just, just drilling, like drilling. And if I heard them, they, they knew that I was going to go off. And she didn't even, I'm sure she didn't tell me of most of the cases where somebody said something insensitive to her because she knew I'd call them. Like, and she's like, dude, like, just leave them alone. I'm like, nah, they're going to hear it from me. Yeah. But I did that because I didn't want my wife to feel like, well, it's no matter how strong one is, it can gnaw at our psyche. 
Like you keep hearing it, like it's because of you, it's because of this, your husband will leave you, all these things. It starts to, to get to the soul of who we are. So I said, instead of letting that be the case, let me be the bad guy. Right. And if, if they say, okay, 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 just leave. Because nobody ever says, ah, if you guys don't have another kid, your wife will leave you. Nobody says nobody that. Nobody says that. Nobody ever says that. Right. There's just like, your husband will leave you. Like, ah, not the case. <laughs> so I, I had to be that guy just so that it was not, the pressure was not on her. And when people asked me, I, and I literally was like, our family is making our decisions based on what we desire and need. Thank you. It, it felt like a press release, like, thank you. End of story. That's it. Like, I, I even stopped explaining to people. They'd be like, ah, you guys are not working on another job? No. <laughs> I'm staring them down because I wanted them to know it's none of their business. Which the irony is, as Nigerians, you know, it's like, when you do get pregnant, don't tell anybody until the baby is delivered. Like, they'll see you with a big belly. And they're like, ah, you're pregnant. No, it's something I ate. <laughs> no. You can have it both ways. So it's like, even if we are pregnant, I'm not going to tell you because we're not supposed to tell you, right? So mind your business. Just stay out of our house. You know, you're not between my legs and you're not in, in my bed. So stay away. So I have to be like, um, yeah, people are going to be like, ah, this guy is a very useless person. But that's what <laughs> I have to be for my wife and I to have peace, right? So And that's, that's very important. That's very important, having peace in your house. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what struggles have you had as a father? Like, what's been the toughest parts of fatherhood for you so far? Uh, understanding the stages has been tough. Because, um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I got this, this fathering thing down. And then all of a sudden, she goes through this small change of, you know, wanting to be interested in, in girly stuff, where before she was just like, whatever, she played with whatever. And it's like, yo, like, where did all this Barbie love come from? And where did all this, like, and then understanding that it's just a, a constant evolution of, of her being, mm -hmm. like her learning new things and growing and me uh, being comfortable accepting that, right? Like, I've never been the guy that's like, no, you can't explore new interests. But it just, it was just weird how quickly some of these interests started coming and how strongly she fell in love. Like when, you know, when she was, she went out and wanted to do soccer for a bit. I was like, yes, she went out there and after two practices, she's like, no, and she just cry, moan and, and even sometimes throw up out of forcing herself to want to be there. And I'm like, I don't understand. You just two weeks ago, you just said you loved it. And now you, and, and so all of that was just like, how do I, how do I constantly learn that, okay, she's evolving, right? And how do I learn that when she's going through something uncomfortable, she's like, oh, I got to be the one that's saying, okay, let me guide her. So she knows that one, it's okay to explore new things, but two, uh, you have to be thinking about what you're exploring. So you don't go down a path that now all of a sudden you're like, because I mean, not now in four or five, but you know, so creating those foundational principles so that when she's older, when she's a teenager, she doesn't have to be like, well, I can smoke a joint because my dad's not going to know right now. You know, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. She has the foundational things that's like, okay, you know what? Um, I already had these discussions with my dad. Like, I want her to feel comfortable doing those things, um, which is strange because I'm also the tough parent. So she's like, she'll go to her mom more than she will to me when it comes to stuff like that as of right now in my head, but it's just to, be able to soften up and allow her to evolve and, and you know, guide her where, where needed so that she, uh, she's still a whole being, but she uh, gets to make some of those decisions herself. So as a dad, I find myself trying to control a lot more than I really should because she's not, you know, she's five, right? Like she's not gonna do that much, but I try to control so much of it like, no, you have to eat at this time and this order of meal and this stuff. And her mom's like, listen, look, you can fight her. She'll sit there. She won't eat the food. It's like, but she needs soup. She needs more vegetables. You know, and I'm barking all these orders. And she's like, look, there was a time where she would only eat meat. And there was a time she would only eat vegetables. Right now, she's exploring noodles. She's exploring spaghetti, meatballs. Let her be. We will sneak the other things into her diet 
as the time goes. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. She should be listening to me. And she's like, okay, continue. <laughs> continue. And then I have to listen to myself. And I'm like, okay, your noodles. Okay. No pepper. Okay. You know, it's like, I, I, I just kind of had to evolve and learn that, okay, my, my method is not the only method. So just calm down, you know. And I also kind of have to remember what it was like for you as a child um, when your parents were forcing you to do things that you just necessarily didn't want. I mean, of course, you know, as a parent, you have the best interests at heart, but also you kind of need to allow your child to develop their own likes and their dislikes. Indeed, indeed. Like last week, um, Coca was just not interested in eating, period. Like she would eat little snacks here and there, but a lot of things just, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I remember one day just being so frustrated at her and something stopped me in my tracks. I'm a very picky eater myself up until today. <laughs> up until today. You know, see, the number of soups that I, that I can eat and be happy, Nigerian soups, maybe like three or four. <laughs> there are so many other soups that I will not touch with a 10 foot pole. A lot of things I won't eat because, oh, there's butter. Oh, well, there's cheese. I don't like cheese, but I'll eat pizza. Very weird, but yes. If I can smell the cheese, I'm not eating it. So on that particular evening, I just stopped in my tracks and I was like, oh my goodness. I'm here freaking out about, oh, Coco doesn't want to eat this. Coco doesn't want to eat that. She's being so picky. And I'm like, wait, but I'm a very picky eater. She mm. eats more things than I do. I was like, mm. oh my God, is this what I put my mother through? <laughs> is mm. this what I put my mom through? And then I'm like, if I can be an adult and I'm picky, right? And then, you know, I've gained all the weights in the world. So I can't say, well, if you don't eat, you're going to be so skinny. Look at me. I'm not skinny. <laughs> you know, uh, even, being, even being as picky as I am. But I just have to stop and think to myself, like, you know what? She is developing the things that she likes and things that she doesn't like. Of course, there are times where, listen, you have to eat your food. Yes. There's not, you're not eating ice cream for dinner. No. You mm -hmm. have to eat it. Or you're going to come and tell me that you're not hungry. But then two minutes later, you want to eat ice cream. It's a lie. No. <laughs> But there's this thing of, you know, at that, is, at that age, they're still developing. They're developing their taste, right? So just being, being um, a little bit more graceful towards them and remembering what it was like for you as a child as well. So, Yeah. I, I, will, I will say this, too, that at every stage of their development, and, you know, it can be every few weeks, what I've found with my child, with Tink, is that she will um at any given moment try to see how far she can push her limits yes yes and, and i think that's i used to be like no don't challenge me but i realized in the world that she grows into i want her to feel comfortable challenging all of the status quo because if she doesn't she'll never grow into the person she needs to be so that's one of the things that now i let her push respectfully mm -hmm. you know her boundaries and also i think the creativity that comes with that like the, the the amount of thinking you have to come with to say how can i analyze the statement that daddy just said he said you can't eat ice cream he didn't say i can't eat ice cream if mommy gives it to me he just said i can't eat ice. you know those little things it's like how did you think to just you know circumvent that one part of the equation and of course, it's, it means more work for us, but then that means we're now paying more attention to their day-to-day -day activities. But then it gives them the opportunity to say, how can I think outside of said scope? Because now they can be, chall they can be challenged with things and they're critically thinking versus just, well, mommy said so, daddy said so, and just going with, going with the, the flow. I want, the, I want her and her brother, when he comes, to be able to say, look, these are things that I want to make sure that I am working towards, and that's to be a better uh, person in this category or in this area. And it comes with challenging uh, status quo. So that development through the stages, hopefully, is something that makes her better along the way, and her brother when he comes as well. 
to be better. And so, yeah, you're right about giving them the opportunity to uh, uh, experience life in just like we had to as kids. Um, it wasn't always 100%. It was, definitely wasn't always stern with my upbringing. So I would imagine it wasn't the same for you either. Right. Yeah. And now to round up our interview, what would you like or what would you want your children to say about you as a father? Like when they've grown up and they're talking to their friends, what do you want them to to be able to say that, you know what, my dad did this or my dad was like this? Like what 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 would you want them to to hmm. remember? Ooh. I would absolutely want them to to look back fondly and say, no matter how stern I was, no matter how um, disciplined I was as a dad, as far as you know, their interactions and just you know, our interactions, that I gave them the room and the breath to be themselves, to discover their, their higher self by trudging through the challenges, like guiding them but also give them the opportunity to make a few mistakes here uh, where, where necessary, because like we can't live without making mistakes, but guiding them out of the, the, the web of destruction, I allowed them to become their higher selves. I, I was a friend um, along the way because I gave them sound advice. I was a good counselor in that sense, but then more than anything that we had an open, relationship where we could communicate and become the better version of the Peter's legacy. I don't want them to be like, just like me, or I want them to be better. I want them to be able to comfortably say that he achieved that, that he was able to, to give us room to grow and become the better selves. I think that, that mostly I don't want to be that person that says, oh, I give them money because money is a tarnishable thing. You can lose it today. I mean, gain it today and lose it tomorrow. Mm. If I build, help them build character that no matter how much money they lose, they can come back better than they were before the loss. Then I think I've done a good job. And I hope that's what they can look at me 30, 40 years down the road and say that, you know what? He imparted some great skills and, and knowledge in me and, and, and we're the better for it. Well said. I love that. Thank you very much for being my guest today. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thoroughly. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly. Um, again, congratulations to you and your wife and your daughter on your newest edition or almost soon edition. Mm -hmm. uh, we look forward to seeing pictures later on. Um, do you want the mommy or your audience to follow you anywhere or <laughs> it's not necessary? <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, I guess they can follow my, m m me on social. Oh God, forget it. I can't, that's a long, complicated. <laughs> um, but it's Hulk under smash. OTP. Uh, oh, yeah, forget about it. It's Hulk underscore smash underscore OTP. It's a long story. Don't worry about it. You don't have to follow but um, I'm actually in the process of developing uh, my own podcast. Um, and so it's had me thinking a lot about the intersectionality. And I keep bringing that word up because that's one thing that I've written in my notes and about being a third culture kid. Um, I don't want to go with kids. So I'm still working on the title and things like that. Mm. So when that comes about, hopefully uh, I can circle back around to Mommy Yo Yo and, and send the message out because I would love to have the audience hear what I have to say. And hopefully it's something that can uh, pour some good knowledge into them as well and insights as far as my perspective in the world. Uh, but that's it, you know, I have no, no major uh, accounts where it's like, oh, follow this guy. My, my Instagram is boring. I don't have Twitter and Facebook is whatever is on my IG. So you will find me <laughs> doing much on social. Well, when, when you start your podcast, if you, if you are open to guests, I don't mind being on the podcast because I remember growing up, um when i would tell i grew up in portacos when i would tell people where i lived it was always ah but you don't live in nigeria now i'm like okay but i do because <laughs> it's right there in Portacos. i grew up on as we call it we call it we call it the estate i grew up in shell shell uh -huh. um, 
Okay, she all calm. Yeah. We were like, yeah. You don't live in Nigeria. <laughs> you have 24-7 lights. What? You have water. What? You will have like a little grocery store. You don't go to the market. No. Have you ever taken transport? No. You don't live in Nigeria, John. <laughs> right. You know, and that's how it was when I lived in Joss, by the way. They're like, ah, that's Oyibo people's land. You don't live in Nigeria. So, yes, I know what you mean. We're yeah. The same struggle. Yeah, so if you're open to guests, I can come and share my own experiences as well. But again, oh, thank you so much. Yay, so thank you so much again. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Give to me big hugs for me. And um, thanks. Man, it's an honor. Thank you so much. Look forward to uh, seeing more of you. Uh, by the way, I actually do listen to Mommy Yo Yo Yo. So I, I'm looking forward to to seeing all the other audience, uh, I mean, all the other guests that you have on soon. So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. Out of everything you could be doing, you chose to spend the time with me and I am truly grateful. Please follow us on social media at Mommy Oyoyo, which is M-O-M-M-Y-O-Y-O-Y-O. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Feel free to send us feedback and suggestions that way or via our email at mommyoyoyo at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to the Mommy Oyoyo podcast on your favorite podcast players. Rate and review the podcast. And finally, don't keep this goodness to yourself. Share the Mommy Oyoyo podcast with your friends, your family, your co-workers, and more. The Mommy Oyoyo podcast, sharing experiences of African motherhood. Mommy, oh yo yo, mommy, oh yo yo, mommy, oh yo yo. See you next time.